everybody. How you doing? How you living? Austin Cunningham and Justin Trace coming to you today to go over everything that's happening in the NFL. Of course, the Phillip Rivers retirement, the AFC and NFC championships are taking place this week. But before we even get into any of that, we had a great guest on our last episode in Matt Miller. If you guys haven't listened to it yet, go check it out. It was a good episode. Trees had some off-the-wall questions for him that left him a little stunned. But, hey, it happens at times. It's all good. Some good responses from Matt Miller. Um, you may know him as NFL Draft Scout, the guy from Bleacher Report. Um, formerly Bleacher Report now has started his own website, thedraftscout.com. Great episode, like I said. We had fun. Go check it out if you haven't yet. If you already have, welcome back. Mr. Treese, I'm not going to go two minutes without hearing your voice again today. Treese Sivia, we're starting off the episode with it strong. I see it on the rundown. It's nice to have it back. It's only been a week, but it's nice to have it back. All in all, how has your week been so far as well? Been a good week. Ready for another episode here. Um a lot of good news coming out of Senior Bowl, too, so it makes me even more jealous that you're heading over there uh, next week down to Mobile, and uh, you're going to have a great time with all these stud Alabama players coming in. But um, let's dive right in, and we'll do some true civia. So um, in the past 20 years, Austin, there has been three players that have been drafted number one overall that have gone on to win a Super Bowl. Who are these three players? Son of a bitch. Over the last 20 years – um eric fisher is one of them yep um eli manning no yes eli manning is another yep um in the last 20 years so that is all the way to 2000 2001 um i'm thinking defense jadevon clowney hasn't he wasn't even first round anyways da, 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 da. uh i mean first he, he was number one pick yes I'm, I'm thinking out loud into the mic. Excuse me. Son of a bitch. Who is the other one? Okay, so Eli Manning. From Eli Manning to Eric Fisher, there has to be another one, correct? Um, There is another player, correct. And, um, he was drafted after and, 2013? No, he was drafted well before. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm probably not going to get it because I wasn't paying to the draft as much during That's those fair. years as I was in elementary school. So I'm all ears, yep. though. It is it is David Carr. So. David, who do you win a Super Bowl with? With the Giants as a backup. Son of a bitch. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's Okay. That's why these are so interesting because you're going to get the guy who's drafted number one turned back up, gets a freaking ring. Okay, that's fair. So, and the, this was in the last 20 years, a number one draft pick to win a Super Bowl. There we go. Bingo, bingo. Eli Manning, Eric Fisher, David Carr. Writing it down for my own records because that was a good one. Um, all right. Speaking of, you know, first round picks, this guy was not number one overall, but he was a first rounder. Uh, and uh, I mean, a lot of interest in that draft when he did go out because he was in the Eli Manning draft. And that is Philip Rivers. And Philip Rivers ends up retiring this afternoon or this morning. So 
That's big news. Um, it's kind of the start of the end of the era for a lot of us, um, you know, in our, in our age group of like, these are the quarterbacks that we grew up with. Like these were the guys, right? Like, so before us, it was like the, you know, the Troy Aikman's, the Steve Young's, Brett Favre, Dan Marino era, this now here, you know, you got Peyton Manning, you got Eli, you got Rivers, you got Big Ben, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, right? Like that's kind of like the era of our quarterbacks. Um, So the biggest question that I just saw on Twitter all day long, and that is, is he a Hall of Famer? Yes. I say no. Oh, I'm all ears. Um, when I think of Hall of Famer, I think that Holy, you, sorry, excuse me. Another another question before you answer that is Eli Manning a Hall of Fame in your mind? Um, so that's also very tough, right? Um, I think I think Super Bowls can get you to the Hall of Fame. Um, and the way he beat the Patriots can get him in the Hall of Fame. So I will say that. Uh, with Philip Rivers, I think he had an amazing career. I don't know if it was Hall of Fame career. Never went to a Super Bowl. Like, I don't think that, like, you have to win a Super Bowl because, like, Dan Marino had an amazing career. But, like, Philip Rivers, I never, there was never a point in his career where I said, yes, he is like a top two quarterback in the league, like, ever. So, if we're saying, like, you can be like fifth or sixth best quarterback in your era. I mean, I think that's a little absurd to say that then you deserve to be in the hall of fame. Okay. And I mean, that's granted. I understand your points for sure, but I feel like he was one of those guys who was always consistent and he was always there and he was always making plays for his team. And granted, he was always costing them games too with some of his plays and decision-making, but I mean, his stats are better than Eli Manning. He's one of those guys that, like, was a true leader of a team. There's no off-field issues. Being the quarterback for the San Diego Chargers, now then the Los Angeles – or the now Los Angeles Chargers, and then to go to Indianapolis and carry over that success, I just think it's one of those longevity type of careers as a quarterback. You know, you're in the league for 16 years. People are going to remember the things that you did and what you accomplished, and I think – that's just ultimately what's going to carry him into the Hall of Fame because Eli Manning is going to be put in the Hall of Fame as well. I think Philip Rivers will be right behind him. I don't know if he's a first ballot. I'm not going to say that, but I do think at some point we look at Philip Rivers and work on him a Hall of Fame quarterback. That's fair. I I don't think that you're incorrect on him actually getting into the Hall of Fame. I'm just saying I don't think that by the definition of Hall of Fame of being like the best of the best in your era. I just don't consider him that, but that's probably more of just a personal preference. Yeah. And that's, that's completely fair. Um, I, I think with that, you get into a rabbit hole of everyone that's in the hall of fame. And it's just, there's so many eras that overlap one another and like, you know, by position or the years of success that someone had. And it's, at what point does a player able to own an era like we've seen previously, like with a Joe Montana, a John Elway, a Dan Marino, a Tom Brady, a Peyton Manning, you know, Aaron Rodgers from 
since he took over. And, I mean, you look to the future of the NFL right now, you know, Patrick Mahomes, Deshaun Watson, John or Josh Allen, excuse me. Um, and then, shoot, even looking for to the, the new guys, Justin Herbert. You know what I mean? Does he become part of that mix? I know he's had one year, and it's, it's crazy to throw his name in with the other names that I just put out there. But are these the type of guys that will continue – that era of success, but in the mix of all that, you have, you know, a Kurt Warner, you have a, a, a Trent Green, and I'm not saying he's a Hall of Famer, but like these quarterbacks that came in and played well for stints and periods at a time, like a Phillip Rivers, an Eli Manning here, there, and it's just how can we pinpoint when they dominated an era when there was another guy who just sat there at the top of the bar and just didn't let anyone near him? Yeah, I mean that's fair, um, but that's not. That's I mean, not trying to be like an argument of point. It's more of just like totally. a, a discussion type of topic that I think some people maybe think about, but maybe haven't gone that far in depth of a thought like I just did there, or tried to at least. Yeah, yeah, I get you. Um, yeah, for me, I just feel like, I mean, you had Peyton Manning, you had Tom Brady, you had Aaron Rodgers, like all of those guys at one point, you're like, yes, like they are the best. I mean, there was actually a couple of years where Eli Manning was putting up the numbers and then won a Super Bowl. that like, I was like, yes. Okay. Um, but I don't know. I just never felt that way with Phillip rivers. I just, I felt like he, did you ever like, feel that way you, with Ben Roethlisberger? Um, honestly, no. No, I didn't. It just never really happened. Like when they won their Super Bowls, they had incredible defenses. I, I know you can say that with the uh, Giants as well, but but there were times where you like you saw Eli Manning like carrying them, like when the defense would have an off game. And with Big Ben, I just I just never felt that way either. I think Big Ben had a, a very has had a very very good career, uh, but I just. I think that making the Hall of Fame obviously is super, super special and should be for the elite of the elite. And I don't think that just because we grew up with guys that put up stats, that doesn't mean like that's it. Because like you said, eras change, right? Like you, mm. we're in a total passing era. So we can't compare stats from, you know, our guys now to back in the day because we just throw it for a lot more defenses, have so many more, more rules against them and so on and so forth. Absolutely. Um, moving on to our next topic, uh, lots of hires in the NFL in terms of head coaching and general managers. Trish and I, we've both just decided there's still openings. There's no need to discuss any of them until they're all filled because it's just kind of what we like to do. We like to see everything solidified, set in stone, and it's like, bam, now let's evaluate this, where the future of the team is, You know, what can we do to help not necessarily fix the team, but what can they do to kind of get themselves back on track with this new regimen as they start a new era of their organization too? Um, so like I just said, we're going to wait till everyone gets hired and everyone's filled, um, filled up and we kind of know who's staying, who's going, everything like that. And then we'll break that down for further for you guys. Um, but this weekend, Trace, the Holy Grail of football we figure out the two teams that get to compete for it, right? The Lombardi trophy, two games, the NFC championship, the AFC championship chiefs versus bills, bucks versus Packers. 
which game do you want to get into first, Reese? Because what we discussed the other day when we did the episode that dropped yesterday for you guys, or excuse me, on Tuesday, um, was that we wanted to dive in a little deeper in terms of numbers and stats and just kind of the previous matchups in the year um, is definitely what I focused on. But Patrice, I want to ask you, which game do you want to get into first um, to roll into this weekend of just AFC NFC championships? I mean, uh, NFC game is first, so let's just dive into that one. So we have Tampa Bay, we have the Green Bay Packers, Um, both of these teams. So both games faced off against each other week six. So um, you can go back into week six to really see how things went. So the Packers game, you know, let's just do a recap of that game. Packers were up um, early in the game and then uh, Green Bay, Aaron Rodgers ends up throwing two pick sixes, which is unheard of. And then everything kind of fell, fell apart there. Um, I don't obviously see that happening again. Um, but you do have Tampa Bay, number one rush defense in the NFL. Uh, I think that it's going to be very hard for Aaron Jones and Williams and A.J. Dillon to get get any running room there. So I think a lot of this is going to fall onto the wide receivers. Um, I know the wide receiver, the DBs kind of shut down Michael Thomas last week and not kind of, they did. He literally put up a goose egg. Um, but I think that Devontae Adams is just a different beast. I think that the play style is completely different, obviously, and they didn't have to worry about any pass going more than 20 yards. So they got to really get everybody up into their, up into their face really, and know that they're not going to get burned deep with this offense. They're going to have to worry about that. So um, that's, that's my big thing there. And then for the, for Tampa Bay, you know, running games doing well and whatnot. So let's see how that, let's see how the running game plays out. I think that's going to be a big thing against this Green Bay Packers defense. And I think that Ronald Jones is going to have a big game. Um, Jair Alexander is probably going to slow down my, um, Evans and then AB may not play. We're going to see there. And so then it's going to come down to uh, King versus um, Godwin. So that's going to be a good matchup. This game, I'm not necessarily going to say I'm more excited for it than the Chiefs game. Like, that would just be obnoxious to me to say being a Kansas City Chiefs fan. And I feel like that's something I've been saying a lot the last couple of episodes, so I do apologize. And that's something I'm going to stop pointing out because it's pretty fucking obvious at this point, okay? I like the Chiefs. Try not to be biased about it anymore. The more I bring up points about it, though, it doesn't help me. So this matchup is going to be a fun one because Tom Brady's first year in the NFC, bam, here he is in the NFC Championship game. Aaron Rodgers was here last year. It was a disappointing loss. That defense just got smacked in the mouth. They didn't have an answer for it. And when these two teams met up earlier in the year, Trees just added to it. Ronald Jones had himself a big game. Two rushing touchdowns, 113 yards uh, on the ground within that. Um, And it was just a good matchup all the way around for Tampa Bay. Rob Gronkowski, this was really the game where we kind of saw him get in a groove um, and kind of get back to the old form of Rob Gronkowski that we are used to seeing five receptions, 78 yards and a touchdown. This is kind of box score reading right here, but it's more just taking you guys down memory lane um, and what this matchup looks like earlier in the year. And Trista already brought up the point of Aaron Rodgers with the two pick sixes. Um, but one thing you didn't get into out. And if you did, I must've completely missed it. And I'm sorry if I did somehow, is the fact that Aaron Rodgers was sacked four times. And this was the matchup where everyone looked at it and was like, oh, my God, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are for real because 
the amount of like blitz packages that they had um, and they brought and threw at Rodgers, he didn't have an answer for. And you could tell how pissed off he was um, because of it. So I expect them and Aaron Rodgers to be fully prepared for that this uh, Sunday afternoon when these guys play. But I think the real big difference is, is what is this running game like for the Packers? Because if the Packers, and I know Trees just touched upon this as well, if the Packers can get that running game rolling, Tampa Bay is going to start sucking in a little bit. You know, their secondary is going to come downhill, and then, boom, they're going to burn them deep. We saw Dan Orlovsky with ESPN kind of break that down with the Rams on how they ran the same type of zone run or dive, excuse me, about three or four times in the game, and then they capitalized on it with like seven minutes left in the game. That was the dagger into the Rams game over. Packers are here again two years in a row in the NFC Championship game, and it just made things super exciting, and it just goes to show as well how Matt LaFleur has developed as a coach and as a play caller um, with the guys that he has on his team and in, in the organization of the Green Bay Packers. This is going to be a fun matchup, but Teresa, the question I want to ask you is, do you expect a big game from the receiving core of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And when I say that, I mean Chris Godwin or Mike Evans, because even those two guys, their big names are good receivers. I just don't feel like they've been making the type of plays that we expect from them, you know, throughout the entire year, even the length of the playoffs. And I don't know if we see it this weekend, either Grant Green Bay because of how well their secondary is or how good their corners are, I should say. Yeah. I actually do expect a big game from Godwin. I think that he'll be able to uh, attack the middle of the field, field a lot more. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, and I do expect Jair Alexander to stay on Evans as much as possible and uh, slow him down. Evans is going to make his plays. I mean, he's literally the only wide receiver in history for his first, what, seven seasons to go over a thousand yards, which is unbelievable. So, um, I'm going to say they slow him down and Godwin Godwin has been like inches away from making so many big plays the last couple of weeks. And if it's him dropping it or Tom Brady, just overthrowing him by just, you know, an inch or two, like that's, that's the difference. And I think that they end up finally connecting on that. And so I expect a big game from them. So I, if I'm, if I'm starting people, like if you were doing like daily fantasy, I mean, it's Godwin, it's Ronald Jones. And then obviously you have to just team up Aaron Rodgers and Devonte Adams. Like those are the four. And then I would just find a way to fill out the rest of the roster, but those are the four that I would absolutely be wanting a part of. Perfect. Um, and then to carry over to the defensive side of the ball for Tampa Bay uh, with this Green Bay offense, it's so much easier said than done on how you slow down Devontae Adams because he's just had a great year. Him and Aaron Rodgers, the connection that they have as a quarterback and wide receiver um, is absolutely fantastic for them. The best part about Devontae Adams though, is that when you watch him and you go back and you watch a game, it's the extra movement that he does once the play breaks down and he puts himself in a position, you know, to get those reset, to get a reception, to become a target for Aaron Rodgers to throw the ball to. And then once he does make the catch, he's moving, you know what I mean? He's getting those extra yards. He's breaking tackles, excuse me. And he's doing his part to help them keep marching down the field. And saying that you're in the NFC championship game, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are going to have at least some type of a game plan with Todd Bowles, the defensive coordinator for the Bucs, to slow him down or at least contain him. So the Packers are going to need a big game or at least 
something reliable from another one of their receivers. Do you see that being an Alan Lazard? Do you see that being, you know, an MBS? Or is it Robert Tunyon stepping up once again for them uh, as they're tied in and becoming a difference? Yeah, I mean, MVS has kind of stepped up dramatically in the last like, month or so. So I think he's kind of trying to take that wide receiver two role, and he's doing very, very well. And then they just sprinkle in Lazard there, who makes a play here and there. Uh, St. Brown randomly will make one play. You know, he'll probably – I feel like he's a guaranteed one catch for 20 yards at this point. Um, and then Tunyon, Tunyon at this point, I think is just an, an awesome number two that distracts a lot of that, the middle of the field. And it's leaving things open one-on-one on the outside with MBS. So um, yeah, I expect uh, obviously a deep play from MBS. He, again, he kind of feels like he has one every single game as well. And um, so I don't know. I, I don't know why I feel this way, but I kind of just feel like the Packers win this one where it's close for the th- first three quarters and then they just pull away in the fourth quarter and it might make it look like it's not as close of a game as what it actually was. Um, but mm-hmm. I have full faith that the Packers are going to be winning this game. They are favored by three and a half. It's supposed to be 32 degrees in Lambeau, um, I believe, with some snow. When you look at the numbers and the comparisons on the amount of points that are scored per game and the points that are allowed per game, they're pretty equal. The Bucks are scoring almost 30 points a game. The Packers are scoring nearly 32. The, the Bucks are allowing 21, and the Green Bay is allowing 18. This could very much be a 30-24, 30-27 type of game um, that really goes down to the wire. So picking you know Green Bay at 3.5 to cover the spread – um, it is something to keep an eye on. It is something to be aware of when making these type of bets because I have that gut feeling, Trees, like you said, that the Packers do come out with a victory, but I think it is one of those special drives where Aaron Rodgers gets the ball with, you know, a minute, a minute 40 left and a timeout, and they're pinned inside their own 15 or whatnot, and they're making these plays down the field. We see another game-winning drive by the Packers. Boom, they get a late score to a Robert Tunyon in the middle of the end zone. And we're sitting here looking at this like down goes Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Aaron Rodgers has sealed another ticket to the Super Bowl. Um, and I, I at least that's what I hope. You know, I hope this is one of those not necessarily shootouts, but a game that goes down to the wire, something that we can be excited for going into the Super Bowl instead of just an absolute blowout that we saw last year with the 49ers running all over Green Bay. Yeah, I, again, I can't disagree with you there. So um, I hope it's another good game. Like we said last episode, last week's games were a little disappointing. So I just I just want two awesome games here. So, all right. I think that does it for this game. So, again, I'm taking Packers. Austin Packers. is as well. So, all right, cool. Green Bay, welcome to the Super Bowl. Let's move on to the AFC game. So we have your Kansas City Chiefs versus the Buffalo Bills. Uh, again, these two teams played on week six, sorry, I almost said 16 week six and, uh, Kansas city one by nine, end up kicking a field goal with just under two minutes left to make it that two score game to put them away. Uh, the interesting things about this game is one, the bills basically sold out for the pass. They said, we are not letting Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill beat us. Like we are not going to lose that way. And they did a great job, to be honest. They under 100 yards combined from those two. I think it was around 85 when it was all said and done between the two of them. 
And sorry, go ahead. In terms of receiving yards. Yeah. Travis Kelsey had five receptions for 65 yards. Tyree kill had three receptions for 20. It was actually Demarcus Robinson that led the team in receiving was 69. Yeah. Very so nice 85 of receiving yards. Yeah. So 85 between the two of them. So, um, but with that being said, they did allow themselves to be prone to getting gashed in the running game where uh, Clyde Edwards Hilaire went for 26 for 161 and just had a monster game. <laughs> so what do you think they do on this game? I will tell you, I think they go with the same exact approach. I think they say, if the running game is going to beat us, the running game beats us. If um, not, then we're going to win this game. Also, this is when like Edmonds was a little banged up and not playing that well. He's playing much better on coming in and shooting the gaps and whatnot. So I think if they go with the same approach, they will do better against the run. I still would expect if they went with this approach, you would have a hundred yard rusher. If that's CEH playing, or if that's Daryl Williams, whoever the case may be. Um, so that's what you have on the chief side. Um, so Everybody, Patrick Mahomes is playing. Let's just stop playing this game. It's very annoying that like we have to pay attention to if he's practicing or not. He's playing. Um, with the Bills, this was actually a very bad game from Josh Allen. This is like that three-week stretch where it was like he went from like MVP favorite to like completely out of the race. And then he like said amazing week since. And uh, I mean, fit, clearly finished probably third in the voting, but yep but this is the stretch that really hurt him. He only had 122 passing yards this game. I uh, did have an interception had two touchdowns uh, running game. He actually led the team in rushing and I could see that happening again. Uh, I talked about this actually last episode that the chiefs can't let him get out of the pocket to his right, how they were letting Baker Mayfield do it because Josh Allen will pick them apart. And um, I fully expect that to happen again this weekend. I would, I would be shocked if he didn't have over 40 rushing yards. I mean, I'm not either. And I'm actually going to go against your point there. I think that's exactly what the chiefs need to let him do because they're not going to run the ball with Devin Singletary. Like I'm not expecting Devin Singletary to have a big game on the ground, especially with Zach Moss being out for the year. And when you look at this matchup from earlier in the season, Tracy already brought it up. He led the team in rushing. 122 pass yards, he ended it. He ended the game with an interception as well. Um, and when you look at this and you break it down, the Bills felt like they had the ball for long drives. Like, you know, eight play, 11 play type of drives. And the only thing they got out of it was, you know, a field goal. Or, you know, they they scored a touchdown on one of them, but they're, they're taking all this time off the clock. And then it goes right back to Kansas City, and they go and score in like seven, five, four plays for these drives. But then like at the end of the game, because they were running the ball so well, they just kept eating at the clock. And then it just like switched where the Chiefs were getting the ball for like 11-minute drives. And if the Bills do that again and they want Clyde Edwards-Hilaire to prove like, hey, we do have a running game, they're disappointingly going to lose this matchup if they try to do that again, because Clyde Edwards Hilaire is expected to play again. Um, and if you watch the chiefs last week against the Cleveland Browns, you saw Darrell Williams get six, you know, average six yards rush, pretty good freaking numbers, especially in the playoffs. And from a guy who hasn't necessarily been the workhorse. And it, once you combine that with what Clyde Edwards Hilaire is, and then the magic that Mahomes can create with this offense and the weapons that are here, 
outside of Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey, you never know who's going to make that explosive play. You know, it could be a McCall Hardman off a kick return, off a punt return, or just one of those jet sweeps, or, you know, one of those little slot passes, and he turns on the jets, and boom, he's gone in the middle of the field for 65 yards. Or, hell, it might be fucking Byron Pringle. That's one of those guys who just comes out of nowhere and makes a crazy play, and that's exactly what he did against the last time they played the Bills. Is he had that reception right near the goal line, gets smacked right as he catches it, keeps falling forward, gets the first, falls at the two. Kansas City ends up scoring, I think, with a rush. Um, for Clyde edwards helaire it actually wasn't because he didn't score a touchdown, so it was another pass play from Mahomes. But this was another one of those games early in the year where people were watching, and they're like, man, Mahomes just – you know, doesn't look to be playing that well. But when you then go to the stat line, you're like, holy shit, he had two touchdowns, he got sacked once, and there was five incompletions. It was like, hey, that's not a bad game. It was just they were running the ball so successfully they weren't having to ask for much for Patrick Mahomes. He still ends up with almost 250 yards passing. When you look at this next matchup, these teams have – really taken a huge jump, I think, both of them, for the productions of their offense um, and their defense. And I think that's what makes us so exciting um, for these type of games because Kansas City's only favored by three. It's going to be, I think, rainy. It is. It's supposed to be raining. Holy smokes, that makes a huge difference because that's exactly what it was at Buffalo. But 46 degrees and raining um, in Arrowhead on Sunday evening afternoon, this is going to be another one of those games that's called by the ground. And we're going to see the Bills and we're going to see the Chiefs continue to throw. It's just who makes more plays and who carries that more. And can the Bills score on their drives? You know, can they keep possession of the ball a little bit longer? Because I mentioned it earlier in my little segment rant here that it was the Chiefs that led the game in time of possession and first downs. And, you know, I think they went nine of 14 on third down as well. And when you look at that for the Bills, you have to find a way to get off the field because if you allow Kansas city to continue to convert third downs, they're going to beat you. And I know that's one of those, well, no shit type of statements, but that's what the bill struggled with early on in the year. And it's something they've gotten better with up to this point in the AFC championship game. All in all, if I have to pick a winner, I think it's Kansas city. I do think Kansas city comes out with a win. And this is one of those games where it's leaves a sour taste in their mouth for the Buffalo bills and they come back next year and get it. Kind of like what Kansas City was um, with the New England Patriots when they lost in overtime. I think that is kind of a resemblance of what this game is and then the future of the Bills moving forward. Because that is a good young team. Plenty of talent. That offense, it's crazy to think that Stephon Diggs comes in year one with them and just lights it up with Josh Allen and the amount of improvement that they've put on the board. I just don't think that if they can get a run game, Kansas City is going to be like, okay, we'll put Legereus Sneed on Stephon Diggs. We're going to let our pass rush get to you. We're going to blitz. You know, we're going to mix things up, throw some stuff at Josh Allen that maybe hasn't necessarily seen or something that's been a weakness of his because we don't expect, we don't think they can beat us by running, by just strictly running the football. I think that's probably how Kansas City's defense or mindset carries into this week. Yeah, that's fair. Um, all right, so we all know that you're obviously taking the Chiefs here. Um, you got any score prediction? Score prediction here. Let me get to these averages because I really do believe in that. So the Bills are averaging about 31 points a game. Kansas City's averaging about 30. 
the Bills are allowing 13 and the Chiefs are allowing 17. Okay, holy smokes. Um, I'm going to pick the Chiefs in this moment with Patrick Mahomes and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire being back in this offense. A huge knock on the Chiefs this year is that they've played down to the level of competition, but when they play teams, you know, that are good this season, like when you look at the Ravens, you look at the Bills, you look at the Saints and these type of big matchups, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they play on a different level to start the game and they just got to stay consistent. I'm expecting them to score at least 28 and the Bills will be left at 17. So 17, 28 Chiefs. All right, cool. Um, I am actually going to take the Bills to win this game. So um, I think it's going to be a nail biter. I think it's going to come back back and forth. And I know we say this a lot, but I really believe it is the last team to have the ball is going to win the game. And um, I could easily see Bills having, you know, having the lead uh, Chiefs going down, scoring and scoring late. And then the Bills going and having, you know, one of those quick two minute drives and end up winning. Um, if that's by a field goal or if that's by a touchdown, I don't know. I'm not going to give a prediction on score. Um, I'm just going to go with, I think the Bills find a way to win this game. So for me, well, it's a win-win. It's a win-win situation for me, right? So I either am right or, hey, your team made it to the Super Bowl so I can be happy for you. So win-win for me. I'm not going to be upset. That's fair. I understand your points. <laughs> um. Awesome. Cool. Uh, like, like you said, super excited for this weekend. It's going to be awesome. Should be the games of the year. Uh, last real Sunday of like full day of football. You got two, two games again, no morning game, which I always struggle with. I like having them in the morning, but Hey, it happens. You always like night football, which you guys will be playing, you know, under the light. So it's going to be a good time. Uh, but I mean, kind of a quicker episode for us today compared to compared to normal. So um, that's Where what happens at? when there's not as many games. I don't, I don't know. I think we're probably around that 35, 40 minute mark. I, I don't have a timer on me right now, but somewhere in that area. Holy shit. Look at us. Look at Look us. At Get us. some info out quick. <laughs> yeah. So, um, okay. So for next week, we most likely will not have an episode next week. Austin is going to be in mobile. Um, I got some other stuff I'm doing throughout the week. So um, probably not an episode. If I can squeeze one in, I may. I may do a solo podcast, but uh, just for our loyal listeners, if you don't see one, uh, just know that I gave you a heads up now. So don't be mad. (laughs) Uh, So anyways, but that does it for tonight. Austin, have an awesome time in Mobile. Good luck to your team this weekend. And as always, tonight we've been talking football.